My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up. Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What do you want me to do for you? I don't know how many hours I've gotten lost in this scene from tonight's gospel over the years. Imagining Jesus standing right before me asking the pivotal question that he puts to Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? It's one of my my favorite scenes of the entirety of the scriptures. I probably have said that before, but I really mean it this time. Put yourself into the scene. Jesus. The one who fed thousands with just a few fish and a few loaves. The one who made the deaf man and the one who couldn't speak completely whole by healing those disabilities just with his touch and his word. The one who cast out demons. The one who raises people from the dead. It's wild to imagine that same Jesus asking you or me, what do you want me to do for you? What do I ask for? My daily prayer list comes to mind. Every day I have a, a top five, my top five list of uh, intentions that I pray for several times a day. Number one is all of you guys. I pray for all the people that I serve and especially think about the students at Montclair State, all the ones that I'm called to be a priest to. And then secondly, I pray for all the people that I serve with, that I minister with. Number three is my family and friends. I know that they're kind of sad that they dropped down to number three, but they still made the top five, so it's good. Fourth is for my enemies. It used to be that God would take care of them and it made like a God choice. He could do whatever he wanted in terms of taking care of them. Now it's more like that they wouldn't be an enemy to me. And then the fifth is for all the people that have died. So I go through a list of family and friends that have passed on. But then Jesus reminds me that he's being more intentional and more personal. What do you want me to do for you? And the list of wild extremes pops up in my head. There's the silly worldly things that I'm convinced 
I will use to the greatest potential, like when I'm going to buy that Powerball ticket, I promise I'll do all good things with it. How would you like a new Newman Center with a pool, right? (laughs) There are the self-centered things, like wanting to be the most successful priest and having my own criteria of what that means. There are what I might characterize as noble ego asks, like people who have asked for my prayers that are sick or that are dying, that I want to experience a miracle as a result of my prayers or my ministry. Probably not surprising, none of those requests have ever been answered. And I'm not disappointed about that, to be honest. I'm more embarrassed that those things still run through my head. That here I am, a priest of close to 22 years, and those things are still there. That my pride and my ego could still be working to somehow twist, even what's so beautiful and precious that Jesus has called me to be his priest. And that when I hear Jesus asking me this question, what do you want me to do for you? I kind of have to swat those like a a bee that's still buzzing around. I have a lot of answers that I know are bad. But part of the problem is I don't have an answer or the answer to that question. Or at least I don't think I do. And that's what makes Bartimaeus and this whole encounter so impactful. In Scripture, and especially in the Gospels, The details that are given and those that aren't given are important because they all tell us something. So the fact that we know his name, Bartimaeus, means that this wasn't just a one-and-done miracle, a random person that Jesus encounters along the way who experiences this amazing transformation, like the woman who had suffered hemorrhages for years, who simply touches his cloak and instantly is healed, or the man who was deaf and mute who Jesus cures. We don't know their names. We don't know what happened to them after these cures. Or even a a person who is very memorable but remains nameless, like the rich young man. That rich young man who went to Jesus and asked, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Was told, you have to let go of your wealth. And that he found that too big of an ask and left Jesus, as St. Mark characterized in the gospel just a few Sundays ago, He left him sad. That's one of the most memorable scenes in the Gospels, yet that guy remains nameless. But we know Bartimaeus because after the cure, the Gospel tells us he followed Jesus. He becomes one of his disciples. So St. Mark, when he was first proclaiming the Gospel, was pointing him out to the crowd as another example, as another testimony and another witness to the difference that Jesus made, that he makes, and why it's important for his listeners to, to hear that invitation, to experience what Bartimaeus did, to hear those words, take courage, get up, Jesus is calling you, as an invitation being directed to them. But even that causes me to kind of stop and wonder, why would Bartimaeus need courage? particularly to ask for something that most of us would argue he deserves in the first place. It wasn't fair that he had this disability. And in fact, there's a whole list of things that Bartimaeus can complain about. That he had been defined by this issue and being called blind. That it had left him dependent upon the kindness of other people and at times 
subject to further difficulties when he was rejected by others. He wasn't just blind, he was a blind beggar. That some had judged him harshly as having had to have done something wrong, or someone in his family had to have done something wrong that left him in this vulnerable existence. That he was isolated and alone, begging on the side of a road. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus could have had a whole list of answers. How about a nicer mat to sit on while I beg? Or a bigger cup that I can collect from those passing by? Or that that cup would be full? Yeah, Jesus, why don't you tell that rich young man that you'd like him to give me some of what he has so I don't have to beg anymore, and that would make him good with you? Or Jesus, I want you to get even with all those who've mocked me, rejected me, ignored me, tried to silence me. Any or all those responses would have been expected or even understandable to any of us in that situation, wouldn't it? But what makes this encounter unlike any other? What makes it so memorable is Bartimaeus has a pure heart. He's already let go of all that crap. All those angers and resentments over what others did or didn't do. All the confusion and doubt about why. Why is he in this situation? He's recognized the the brokenness of the world and the brokenness in his life. And he's experienced injustice and lack of compassion. But here's the thing. He hasn't lost faith. He's not angry at God. He's not blaming God. He's been praying for something to change. And maybe didn't even notice how the Holy Spirit has been. Has been working and changing his heart and soul right there as he's sitting on the side of the road as a blind beggar. And when he hears that God is in his midst, it was Jesus of Nazareth. What does he do? He cries out, Jesus Son of David, have pity on me. More than a a request for help, it was a cry of faith. God, do you see me? Do you notice me? Do you care about me? And Jesus does. He sees the setbacks and the failures and the difficulties that have been a part of his life. And unlike the rich young man, he sees the, the joyful anticipation in Bartimaeus. His physical sight might have been lost, but Bartimaeus' spiritual vision is 2020. And he's not fixated on any of the things of this world when he says, I want to see. The boldness of the request, the confidence in the ask is a, a pure prayer of one who has faith. And it requires courage because Bartimaeus' entire life is going to be upended by this one encounter with Jesus. That's why we remember Bartimaeus' name and not the rich young man's name. Bartimaeus wants to see. He wants to see what's most important in life, here and now and for all eternity. He wants to see Jesus. And that's why the miracle ends not with Jesus specifically doing or saying something. It's not like he touches Bartimaeus' eyes. He tells him, your faith has saved you. And that's got a double meaning. It heals the infirmity 
but it points to the, the deeper restoration in that heart and soul that has been that longing for God. And that's why Jesus doesn't even have to specifically invite him to come follow me like he does with all the other disciples. He tells Bartimaeus, go your way. Bartimaeus wanted to see Jesus and he doesn't want to stop now. And that's why he follows him. Tonight, the word of God comes to us and invites us to take courage, get up. Jesus is calling you. And Jesus asks us, What do you want me to do for you? What is it? What are those deep prayers that we don't dare to utter? The pivotal prayers that require bolder faith and courage because they're going to upend our lives. For me, I know in my heart of hearts that there's nothing greater or more important in my life than being his priest. And so the more I think about it and pray about it, I know that's what I'm being called to ask for, to be a truly good and holy priest. And you know what? I still pause. I still wait. I don't quite ask because it's scary. It means I have to put to death that pride and ego that emerge from time to time. It means I have to let go of all those worldly things that still pop up from time to time that I imagine will bring happiness even though I should know better. And I, knew, I do know better that they won't. There's the reality that that part of me wants to remain blind as an excuse not to change too much or to have a, a built-in excuse to maintain the status quo. Jesus is calling you and me to admit where are we at in our relationship with him? Is it somewhere on the scale between the extremes of the rich young man and Bartimaeus? Can we acknowledge the self-inflicted blindness that obscures him and his, his vision from coming into view? It's only scary because we're too conditioned by the world around us to look for answers in all the wrong places. Think about it. Do you see any true joy on social media? Or do you see carefully edited and manufactured facades? Do we hear people who are fulfilled and living fulfilling lives and all the anger and division and propaganda that's peddled from all different aspects of society, from leaders and celebrities and public figures? Somehow, though, we keep falling for the lie, thinking that what we want could be found in the things of this world or that we'll find fulfillment and the peace and the happiness that we want if things were handled the way I want them to be in the way that I perceive them to be right. And all those lies can invade our sacred space and obscure that authentic answer that our true selves desire when we hear Jesus asking us, what do you want me to do for you? St. John Paul II, back in 2004, was speaking to young adults at this event called World Youth Day. And he was speaking about all this when he said, you perceive it in the depths of your heart. All that is good on earth, all professional success, even the human love that you dream of can never fully satisfy your deepest and most intimate desires. Only in an encounter with Jesus can give full meaning in your life. Do not let yourselves be distracted from this search. 
persevere in it because it is your fulfillment and your joy that is at stake. Bartimaeus is remembered not for being in any leadership position or for any amazing feat that he accomplished. He's simply known for that perseverance in seeking and finding Jesus. And when he gets to that place of faith and trust, experiencing that, that fullness of joy, it forever changes his life. That his physical sight is restored is almost secondary to all that. What is it for you? Bartimaeus comes to us to encourage us to open our minds, to really reflect on what it is we need from God himself to bring us the fulfillment that we long for, to open our hearts, to recognize and desire that fulfillment comes from what, when I want what God wants from me, to open our ears, to hear Jesus is calling you, asking, what do you want me to do for you? To open our eyes, to see him and focus on him alone.